You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. The views and opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily represent those of the network, its advertisers, owners, or sponsors. Welcome to the Make Meaning Podcast. I'm Lynn Galadner, a writer, entrepreneur, and change maker, and I've dedicated my life to sharing stories of how people make meaning in their work and find purpose in their lives. You just heard a great original composition by my son, Asher Schreiber. This podcast highlights some of the great ideas and activities people do every day to make the world a better place. So much of the meaning we find comes from interacting with great people, developing relationships that are mutually beneficial, and doing work that inspires. I hope you'll be inspired by the people you meet on this podcast. We all need to find a way to make meaning in the mundane. I'd like to welcome Katie Brown to the Make Meaning Podcast. Katie is principal at Madden Hauser, specializing in employment law. Welcome to Make Meaning, Katie. Thank you so much, Lynn. I'm excited to be here. It's so nice to be able to chat with somebody who I admire and who's a friend. And it's an excuse to get to see you after a long time of staying in touch by email, but not really seeing you. So thanks for being here. I appreciate it. No, of course. I feel like each time we talk and have that little touch, it's a reminder to me of where I am and where I need to be. So glad to be here and have that touch again. Awesome. Awesome. So um, we're going to talk a little bit today about your career, but also um, your personal life, because I feel like you have that purpose and meaning in every corner. So um, I I think our listeners will really enjoy it and learning from you as well. So tell me a little bit about your journey to the legal profession. I know um, it was sort of a circuitous route um, through something more artistic. So take us on that journey a little bit. Of course. And journey is really the right word for it. I never intended actually to be an attorney and certainly never envisioned myself to be a shareholder at, an, at a law firm. So <laughs> it, it has been a fun one. And I will say, you know, as a as a young kid, I was always involved in the arts and loved people, built a lot of strong relationships. And through college, decided to focus really on studio art. So painting, photography, design. And in doing that, I was always interested in the story behind whatever mm-hmm. I was painting. Sure. So we did this big senior thesis about all of my friends and where they came from, their experiences from birth and maybe even with death. Mm-hmm. And it was a kind of a universal perspective. So from there, I decided to continue storytelling into the documentary realm right. and moved to New York. We were there for about three years. Okay. And I made documentaries for some major networks, Discovery Health and National Geographic International. Amazing. But yeah, it, was, it really was an interesting process learning those stories. But at the end of the day, it was a lot of the best parts left in the cutting room floor. Sure. And so I, I really wanted to kind of reevaluate at that time. And I looked around and saw the, the producers I was working for and thought, do I want to be them? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. said in part yes, in part no. I, I want to keep telling stories, but for a different purpose. Yes. And at that point, I I really did some internal soul seeking and Uh searching to Uh find out the next step was really going to go to law school. Okay. And I didn't think it was going to be really an attorney per se, but maybe an investigator finding out what's going on, you know, out there in the real world where people are being, you know, either they're they're being mistreated, they're maybe subject to some sort of treatment that's not in compliance with the law. Sure. How can I be a part of that process? Sure. And I went to law school 
just with an open mind. That's and great. Step by step, found myself now in the employment law field where I feel like every day I'm doing that same kind of thing the investigation and working with really employers at, at this point, mm-hmm. trying to stop problems before they begin. And once they do arise, find out how do we work with that the employer to make the right decision moving sure. forward, making sure employees are treated fairly sure. moving forward. So it's been an incre- incredibly meaningful journey. And each step along the way, uh-huh. um, looking from the outside, probably doesn't make a lot of sense. But within <laughs> the context of me and who I am, makes yeah, perfect sense. Of course, of course. It's really interesting. I was looking over the notes, the conversation you had um, with Dana before we, we did this interview. And something really struck me. You said, um, I like helping people. And, you know, lawyers get a bad rap. <laughs> and so, and the legal profession does. But I loved that that's how you see it. Um, and, and really it is, you know, I always say that people do business with people. So you have a corporation, but it's had, it's headed by individuals. It's staffed by individuals. Um, and you're connecting with other individuals. And that's, you know, a heartfelt, human journey as opposed to a transaction. I think we lose sight of that. So um, I wanted to hear a little bit more about how you see your work helping people. And and I think it's really important, you know, but I'd love to hear that from your perspective. Right. And I will admit that starting out in the employment field, I actually was working for the individuals, okay. the employee side. And my thought was, I can help these people. You know, they're, they're either being subjected to harassment, discrimination, retaliation in the workplace. I can work through this problem and help represent them. Mm-hmm. And to a certain extent, I was when we negotiate either severance packages or maybe go through litigation. But there was a, a limit to it. Sure. And at that point, I realized the real the real way to solve this problem and to find meaning here is to work with the employers and make mm-hmm. sure that managers and business owners make the right start from the beginning. Sure. And so those are the relationships. Those are the people that I work with so closely. And a lot of them have the best intentions, but really just don't know the laws to navigate. Sure. And especially with managers, we do management training where maybe a manager has been promoted within the organization because they're so good at what they do, right? Yes. And they get to the management level and they don't know how to manage people, how oh my to gosh. work with people. I know that so <laughs> well. Yes, that's the story of my life. Yes. Right, right. And so how do you give these managers the tools and the skills that they need to really issue spot and know how to address a problem before someone even says anything? Yes. And when someone does say something, how do you respond sensitively without being defensive or defiant? Sure. Um, those are the kinds of conversations we have a lot with these managers And that's where I find that there's so much meaning because we can really control the work environment for so many different people by just talking to a couple of managers who are managing those individuals. Um, That's where I I find the most meaning, I guess, in the work I'm doing now. Yeah. it's And I I really mean what I'm saying. That is the story of my life because I just got into business because I believed I could do more and earn more if I worked for myself, which has been now 20 20 years. Unbelievable. um, Which is really cool, you know? And I started as a journalist. So that's one thing. That's just pitching stories to newspapers and magazines and, um, you know, really being able to write. But it was like a one-on-one thing. I didn't have to, I didn't have to employ anybody for the longest time. But when I got into public relations, um, and then thankfully my business grew so quickly, I needed other people to help with the workload. Um, and I think I had a lot of missteps early on in my business because I had no training. I didn't know how to, how to manage people and frankly, didn't really want to. So when there was drama in the workplace or, you know, I just didn't have the patience for it. Um, so I remember, 
I went through the business and then I shrank it back purposefully because I didn't want to manage people. So I figured I'd only have as many clients as I could handle handle with a couple of freelancers. Um, but, you know, inevitably you grow again. And I've done some training things so that I could learn how to manage. I mean, how do you guide people in I mean, it's, it's really it's like play nice in the sandbox. You know, how do you how do you teach that to people? One of the main things we always focus on is accountability. Uh-huh. And especially with managers, it's about holding your team accountable, but also holding yourself accountable. Sure. And I think that's one of the most difficult things for managers, especially mm-hmm. when they're so busy, right? You have an agenda and you have 10 things you need to get done in a day. And when an employee walks through your door and says that they have a problem, that can throw off your entire schedule. Sure. But it is so important that your employees feel engaged, that they know clearly what your expectations are. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the accountability process is that you're being very clear with your employees saying, here's your job description, right? Here's sure. what I'm wanting you to do when I want you to do it. Yep. And then if you are clear in that way, then your employees really do feel like they're contributing, that they're being recognized. They know how to succeed. Sure. And that employee morale is just boosted. So that's where I think the conversation starts is accountability. Uh, the second part we go through is often just a review, overview of the employment laws. Sure. Because there are laws that apply to employers with just one employee. Right. And then there are others that apply when you get to 15 and 20 and 50. So depending on the size of the organization, that conversation can be much more extensive. Right. Absolutely. I learned a lot about that in the Goldman Sachs. 10,000 small businesses program, we had a legal clinic and they had attorneys in and I feel like we need to get you there speaking. But they were like, well, you know, if you're a company that only has contractors, that's probably not appropriate. And if you're, you know, there's this law and there's that law. And it's like, I was furiously taking notes because if you just happen into business, you don't know what the parameters are. And they're there for protections on both sides. Completely. You know, it's really important. And for the small business owner, the new business owner, they don't know the questions to ask. And so how do you know the answer to a question you don't know to ask, right? I mean, that's exactly. where we try to shine some light on the issues and say, this is what you need to be aware of and right. how you need to know when you're misstepping along the way, when to call us, when to involve other managers. Sure. Um, because it is a team effort. Yes, everything yeah. really is, you know. It's um in fact they say it takes a village to raise a child and it's really true in a lot of situations. Um I was actually talking with my daughter the other day about the Kardashians. She's a big fan. And um she's like, "Well, you know, when I don't know which one has to go do something, she takes her child over to this sister." And I'm like, "Well, even in famous families, you need to have that support system in big corporations and in whatever it is, you have to um you have to work together for the benefit of everybody." It's so true. And I I see some employees who will look at their job description and say, this is what I've been hired to do. And when they're asked to do something outside of that realm, uh-huh. then they get resistant. Huh. And and that's part of now the hiring process for this employer is saying, I want to be sure I'm hiring the right person sure. for who they are, not just what they can do and their skills, but what is their personality in terms of being willing and eager to take on new new tasks, to learn new skills. Because if you get someone in there who can really be willing and eager to learn. Yes. Then you can you can go anywhere. The sky's the limit, right? Yes. But if you have the best performer who will just do one thing, right, then right. maybe that's good for that one thing to be done. Yes. But you have to hire somebody else to do the rest. Well, that's an interesting point because I've heard a lot of business owners say recently that they hire for character and for team fit much more than for job description. Um, what do you think about that? I completely agree with that perspective and 
it it sometimes does depend on the industry and the job you're hiring for, right? If you have a very technical position that requires certain skills, then certainly those skills, the experience are going to be relevant, and that's a primary, you know, consideration when you're hiring for the job. Sure. But if it is more of, you know, a management level position, someone who's thinking higher level, maybe bigger picture for the organization, that's when you need the creative minds, the people who are going to be really open to new ideas that maybe have experience of what's worked for them in the past. Sure. But that are open to suggestions and don't come in implementing a new plan that they've created that works somewhere else because that plan may not work right. where they are now. <laughs> right. Well, it's interesting because I, as an entrepreneur, and then I started a nonprofit a couple of years ago, One Earth Writing, which you know a lot about and have been so supportive of. Love it. Um, yes. And your mother in law is on our board now, which is very <laughs> yes. cool. Um, but what I found in both my business and my nonprofit is that um, you can have the intention of offering a service or a product. Um, but you have to let it go where it's going to go. And I think that employees come into that. And so you might hire them for something, and then they show a real talent for something else and be willing to shift them and be fluid so that you have a team that's really happy and cohesive. You know, um, I think that's really important to just let things evolve. Right. And when you're also thinking about that team and how it's going to evolve, there's that consideration of what are the strengths being brought to the table, right? And I love the concept that we each have these top five strengths, right? And maybe it's something that's been in us since birth, some people say. Sure. And if we focus on really developing and using those five strengths in each other and in ourselves, uh-huh. then we're going to be exceptional, right? Right. We are going to be the best we can be and the most effective, efficient we can be and probably the happiest, yes, <laughs> right? Yes, yes. And so how do we build the team by identifying the strengths that we need that we don't have uh-huh. and by using the strengths of the people at the table? Um, that is, I think, one of the most difficult things to do because it, it takes more than just looking at a resume. Yes. It takes more than just even a half-hour interview. It's a daily process of saying, you know, where are you? Where have you been? And where do you want to go? It's interesting. I haven't heard the five strengths. I'm going to really, I wrote it down because I'd like to explore, you know, like, what are my five strengths? And and that's a really interesting way to hire, um, to really think about your team and making sure everybody has their niche. Um, but, you know, before we run out of time, I have to toot your horn. And I want to talk a little bit about how you've become such a leader among women lawyers. And I know um, even as a, a young mom of young children, um, and you're so devoted to your family, to your husband, you're expecting another baby, yes. um, <laughs> which is so exciting. And so, you know, you could just go to work, um, you know, fulfill your caseload, you know, clock out and then go home. But you really um, deliberately taken a leadership role in the industry, among women in law. Um, tell me a little bit about you know, what led you or inspired you to do that? And and how do you find that fulfills you? That's a good question. I, I started being involved in the Women's Lawyers Association of Michigan, and in particular, the Oakland County Division, the Women's Bar Association, when I first started practicing. And I was at a firm where I was practicing no-fault insurance, right? I was doing auto cases. And <laughs> I learned the process. I, again, love the investigatory interviews, but my heart wasn't finding meaning in the day-to-day. So I looked for outside organizations where I could meet people that were more in line with the purposes I was wanting to get into. Mm-hmm. And the Women's Lawyers Association of Michigan was one of them. So I started attending their monthly meetings and decided that I would start getting on committees. Okay. And I started one, actually, that hadn't existed previously but was in line with their mission. Okay. It was about pro bono work. So how can attorneys use their skills to help people in the community and at the time I was volunteering, there was a, a help legal program downtown, uh, Homeless Encounter Legal Protection, where we mm-hmm. were giving legal advice to homeless individuals. 
Then there was also Common Ground Legal Clinic that had some evening and day times where attorneys could go and provide advice, legal advice to people who couldn't otherwise afford it. Sure. And so I found great meaning in that and found that by engaging the Women Lawyers Association of Michigan, other women attorneys in that process, that other people were also feeling that same engagement. Mm -hmm. So I really, I loved that process. And in the in the next couple of years, decided I would continue doing other committee roles. Um, I'm a doer. Uh-huh. And so I, I love <laughs> being in those kind of lower level roles where I can really make progress. Sure. Um, and have found some great relationships as a, a result. That's awesome. It's very inspiring. I've loved watching you take that leadership role and getting your emails about workshops that you're offering, um, which I as an employer find really interesting and will probably attend at some point so that I can take more furious notes and learn and, and, and improve. Um, and so as we near the end of our interview, I, I do want to address um, that work-life balance, which I know you strive so hard to achieve. And it, it's elusive. I mean, especially with young children. Um, you know, it, I mean, I find actually somebody told me this when I was more in, in your position that um, when they get older, they need you more. And I did not believe that person. So tr- trust me at this because now I have all these teenagers and they literally, they don't need me physically, but they need me around and they need me to listen. And, and they're so smart that they know, like if I'm doing something else, hey, mom, no, listen to what I'm saying. And they need me to acknowledge them and to to show them that they matter and be involved. Uh, even if my daughter insists it's embarrassing, if I wasn't there, she'd oh, be no. mortified, you know. But, <laughs> right. um, but I digress. Um, I wanted to ask you, you know, I, if you, I used to struggle with the idea of working when I wanted to be there raising my kids. And I was lucky enough to work for myself so that I could I would wake up at five and get work done so that when they were up at seven or whatever time, I could focus on them and then get back to work when they went to school. Um, right. I felt lucky that I could do that, but, but I do work and there were times I have to work on weekends or at night and they're there and they see that. Um, I feel that it's a good role model and they should know, um, that women and men are, you know, supporting us and, um, leading the community, leading families. You know, what are your thoughts on on this, on being a working mom? It goes back to your statement earlier. It's a village, right? Yeah. And I'm very lucky to have a supportive husband that has a similar priorities. We both want to be excellent professionals, but then we also want to prioritize families. So we do we do everything jointly. That's great. And we try to spend as much time as we can together when we have that time. Yeah. Um, I also have a mother-in-law who will call with her, my father-in-law and say, want a Friday night off? We'll, we'll take <laughs> your daughter, right, for the night. Yep. And so it's been it's been really wonderful to have that support and to know that sometimes it takes me speaking up as well. Say, this is important to me. I really want to go to this other whatever community event or sure. maybe telling my, my boss at work that I need to leave at 530 so I can make sure that I can be home in time for dinner. And then I work remotely at night yep. after she's gone to bed. So it is about finding the schedule that works for you and your family yes. and having the support from the outside as well. It's funny because my kids now that my oldest is a sophomore in high school, he's um, he's thinking that he's out of the house like in a minute, which it probably will feel like. But um, he makes comments at least once a week about how, you know, what's it going to be like when we're gone, mom? You know, like we have no life other than them. And, right. I, and I'm like, oh, I can't wait. I mean, I'll miss you. But, you know, I really I think we can do all kinds of new things. We still have our own interests. Right. But, um, well, you know what? I, I could talk to you all day. And so I wish we could. We're going to have to make our lunch date after this. We will for sure. Um, but is there any last thing that you would like to offer about how we find purpose or make meaning um, out of our lives? 
Yes, I, I would just challenge everyone to really have the courage to redefine themselves every day, right? Evaluate where you are and is this where you want to be? And if not, then explore the options. Talk to people who are doing what you want to do. And then keep in mind, I, I always say to this to myself, that we only have time for what we make time, mm-hmm. right? We are in control of how we spend each day. And so making those decisions, that whether they're big or small, um, it, it's hard, but it's so important to make sure that you have that meaning at the end of the day. I agree completely. It's been such a pleasure to chat with you, Katie Brown. Thank you so much, Lynn. Yes. Thank you for joining me on the Make Meaning podcast. You've been listening to Katie Brown, a principal at Maddenhauser. And you can learn more about Katie at maddenhauser.com. Thank you so much. Thank you.